This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm doing good. I'm actually not somewhere off the coast of Connecticut tonight. I am in the great state of Massachusetts, in the in the hometown of professional runner Johnny Gregoric. What's up, Johnny? Maybe I'll hit him up. We'll go for a run or something. But, Steve, we are officially six months into the peak too early game. That's pretty crazy. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. If you asked me when we first started if we were going to make it six months, I, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And as always, at the House of Sav, we have Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Um, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm laughing at the thought of Mike trying to keep up with Johnny for more <laughs> than like a half mile on, on Johnny's cool down like shakeout run. Um, but to be honest, guys, I'm, I'm a little nervous right now. Um, uh, long story short, I just got back from the, the supermarket and uh this guy was being a little aggressive and, and so i told him hey man like you're being aggressive and he came up and he told me he was part of the mafia and that <laughs> i didn't know what aggressive was this sounds like a made-up story i know but i swear to god it just happened uh so i may have a hit out on my head uh by some <laughs> guy in the mafia but uh he was being aggressive so hopefully Wait, i'm still here by so by the time this podcast drops what, what was he doing that was being aggressive yeah. and like how did you approach this situation i don't i don't really understand so yeah to set the stage you know trent is a pretty like chill guy like i think it would take a lot for him to go up to somebody and tell him to like calm down or tell him to like stop being so aggressive what was going on i got totally sucked into this so this guy was i'm in behind this guy in line and uh in front of him was a parent and her like little son. He must have been like a second grader, and the parent was doing like a, a D minus job parenting, like letting the little kid run around, kind of yelling like, "Hey, Gavin, get over here!" But really just letting him do his thing. And the kid came up and was like, you know, pretend fighting the old guy. Was like kind of like punching him, and like guy, old guy, he's probably in his sixties, and kind of like kicking him, but like with a laughter on his face. And I thought the old guy was kidding me. He's like, "Hey, don't mess with me, kid. Don't mess with me." All of a sudden, the guy turns to me and he goes, "This little like effing kid, I'll, 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 he's like kicking me, like I'll effing kill him and his mother." And I'm like, "Whoa, bro, you are being way too aggressive right now." And then he left to do the cashier. He comes back to me. He came back. To, he goes to shake my hand, like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, I got all fired up." He pulls me in close and he goes, "You think that was aggressive? I used to be part of the mafia." <laughs> And it was it was that, a ridiculous that's a, statement. That's like a classic like old man power move there, like to shake your hand and pull you in real yeah. close. Like that's that's a that's an aggressive move right there. I couldn't believe the nerve on this guy. I, <laughs> me I just to mess state, with me. <laughs> I just want to state on the record, if the mafia is listening, I am completely against Trent. He does not know what aggressive is, and I am one hundred percent on your side because I think this is gonna be a, a two man podcast going forward. Jeez. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, too. Like, if this is the last people ever hear of Trent, then we got to make this episode, like, really oh. good. Try You guys bring some, like, really good takes. Awesome. This, this, this will be your legacy so forever. so good for the podcast. Oh, my God. Our numbers would skyrocket. Yeah, Trent, if you, get, you. if you get whacked, oh, my God, then, then P2 Early is going to just take over. 
If I don't get whacked, you could like fake the story and everything too. <laughs> Can you imagine our street rep too? If like one of our co-hosts got not just got whacked, but like got whacked by the mafia, like that would be <laughs> our street cuts through the roof. Oh man, yeah, that would, that would be great, Trent. Thanks, just, thanks for all the support, guys. Yeah, thank, You're yeah don't welcome. don't hide we too much. You Make yourself a little bit more, you know, a little bit more visible in the mafia. But anyways, guys, we had the World Beer Mile Classic this weekend. I was watching very intently. They they put up a stream on Facebook. It was a uh, it was a uh, it was pretty cool to watch. I mean, they they did it in Berlin, Germany. So I think they're trying to you know pick a different place around the world every single year. Like Lewis uh, said, Lewis Kent said, next year they're doing it in Tokyo. But they, so this year they did it in Berlin, Germany. Looked like a ton of fun. They you know as always. I mean, it, it's running and drinking beer. Um, but Corey Bellamore, you know, held on to, you know, you know, did what he what everybody thought he was going to do. He went out there. He didn't run the world record, but he did run four minutes and 36 seconds. And our guy, Chris Robertson, wasn't too far behind him. He ran, I think, a, a second off his personal best. I think he ran a 446. Um, but watching the beer mile, it was pretty crazy. He was right on his heels all the way up to the, to the last beer. Um, I was cheering for him. You know, I, I was kind of hoping that, you know, I was, I was, I wanted our guy to do well. I was kind of hoping that 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 um, Corey had a little too much beer left over. But um, great race all around. USA won the team championship, which is awesome. Um, I, I I guess I didn't even realize it that this was a three-peat for the for Team USA. So even though they don't have the top guy in the world, they have the best team in the world. Yeah, I mean. That's that's tough because yeah, I guess we won the team championship. But when you look back and the stuff that we've talked about, how like every world record for the last decade has been in the hands of Canada, do do we really feel like we're the best in the world at the beer mile? No, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's such it's a consolation like, prize. Yeah, it's like bittersweet. But I, so Corey Corey Bellamore is unbelievable at the at the beer mile. Like he he is as dominant at his niche sport than, you know, some of the great athletes in the world. So I don't, I don't see anybody taking down his world record anytime soon. And I know Lewis talked about a little bit in our interview with him. Like when he got to DQ last year, he was on pace for like a sub 430 beer mile. I think his like time would have been like 424, 425. So, you know, he's got a little bit something left in the tank. And I, I just don't see anybody taking that record from him anytime soon. It's uh, it's amazing how consistent you can be at the beer mile. You would think of any sport or event where there is, you know, some some variance that could happen based on having a little upset tummy or something like that. Uh, it'd be the beer mile. Like, how do you <laughs> how do you slug beers like that and, and crush miles uh, or, or not crush miles, but run run the crush 400s? so consistently i would just think you gotta have a bad day sometimes but no, it that, does that's a really good point trent there's like there's so much that can go wrong out there yeah uh, somebody just be so consistently dominant versus the entire field year after year it is actually yeah. pretty incredible in the beer mile like half the time i do a beer mile you want to hurl and i have not been that many <laughs> um so the fact that he can just continue to crank him out like that he is a true specimen it's too bad he's from canada I was secretly like, you know, kind of deep down. I wanted Chris to do really well, but like deep down, I wanted 
USA to do poorly because I wanted to get on this podcast and be like, you know, with all respect to, you know, military first responders, you know, everybody who's actually serving our country. I wanted to get on here and say, boys, our country needs us. You know, we need to get out there. <laughs> but they, they, they won. They won easily three years in a row. So but I still think our country needs us. We need to get out there. We need to be. In Absolutely. So, uh, congratulations to Chris. You know, maybe we can get some beer mile guests on next week. You know, we're going to we're going to see who we can get on. But we're going to, you know, we're, we'll, we'll throw some feelers out there, see if we can get, you know, one of the top beer miles in the world just to kind of recap, recap their time in Berlin. Um, guys, I was listening to, you know, probably the most popular sports podcast in the world. Uh, pardon my take. Great podcast. I think a lot of what we do on this podcast, we actually kind of model bits and pieces after part of my take because we have so much respect for this po- for for their podcast. But they stole straight up, just stole one of our bits. Um, Mike, why don't, why don't you drop in, drop in the audio from from the from the pre from one of our previous episodes? Yeah. Hold on, guys. Can I? Uh, I need a break. I just got to look up what events are in a heptathlon. <laughs> exactly my point <laughs> so let's see it's the it they do the shot javelin well, let's not even embarrass ourselves by trying no to no no they they do the they do the shot javelin discus right yeah. the decathlon is what the the gentleman do Sorry, so i don't know yeah, what you're but, trying to guess yeah did do i'll do i'll do decathlon all right trent can i make a bet with you real quick i bet steve doesn't Ooh, get let's make let's make the over under six and a half events that steve gets on this oh i'll take the over I'm taking the under. All right, deal. Let's do it. Okay. So there is the um, javelin. Discus. Two. Shot put. Three. 100 meter. Four. Four. 400 meter. Five. Oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, 100 meter hurdles. Holy shit. Six. The mile. Mm, trying to get Give count it, it to him. The mile's definitely. Oh, so, oh come on. 1,500 no, we're not. We're not giving it to him because oh, I'm, in, I'm in a bad a spot. I'm in a bad spot here. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, high jump. I think I lost. Is the high <laughs> jump in there? The high jump's in there. Let me see if I can get all of them. High jump. Is that in there? Yep. Uh, long jump. Yep. And so um, I need one more, right? Uh, yeah, you need one more. Oh, the pole vault. We even said that. I, didn't, I, I know. Didn't, I know. So we had a little bit of fun with the decathlon. You know, I, like a champ, completely dominated Mike and his bet. But to my, <laughs> to my shock, I was tuning into part of my take this weekend, and this is what I heard. Next question. We don't even know what a decathlon is. I, honestly, That's a fucking here, terrible here's question. Here's the real answer. We don't know <laughs> before it was over because we'd be too tired. The minute I got out to the track, you know that heat that's just on a track? Fuck that. I'm going home. Ten is events? That- well, yeah, decathlon. I got that part. But here, here's a little quiz. Don't look it up. Who can name ten events in the decathlon? And if you can, you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so Lots my question is... there. We'll have to strip it, down there. Is, is, is part of my take listening to Peak Too Early and making fun of it? <laughs> well, it's either that, either they're huge Peak Too Early fans, or our content is so good that like some of the funniest and best podcasters in the world 
have the exact same ideas as us. Exactly. So that just means that we are the funniest and most original podcasts in the world. Yeah, I, I, it must be, right? Great, great minds think alike. And I think part of my take proves right there that if they just talked about running all the time, <laughs> they'd be a successful podcast. I know like <laughs> they have some listeners right now, but that was gold 30 seconds right there. So maybe they should shift their focus. And it, it did sound like exactly like our rhetoric, right? Like they were talking about how awful this sport can be and just like how not fun it can be. And, you know, that's like one of our biggest bits, right, is just making fun of ourselves and making fun of the sport. And then just straight up, we hear Steve earlier when I dropped that clip naming like all 10 events. And then they just straight up call Steve a nerd <laughs> saying, if anybody can name all 10 events, you're a straight nerd. So in like one sense, we make fun of ourselves for like how dumb the sport is, but at the same time, like we embrace it a little bit too much at, at other times. <laughs> Should we yeah. be at all concerned about them stepping on our turf, though? I think so. Well, no, because because peak too early is on a rocket ship to the moon. We're gonna be bigger That's than true. part of my take, and you know, and not too long. Well, I, I am big into, like, the beef and, like, feud game these days. I Ooh. After the last podcast, I find <laughs> myself, addicted? like, kind of, like, yeah, I'm getting a little bit addicted to, like, to beef. I'm trying to, like, find more people to have beef with. Uh, I You know, getting getting on the mic and having, like, a place to just, like, vent. It was very therapeutic just to be able to, like, unleash on people like that. So I would not be against trying to start a, a podcast feud. <laughs> well, I, I look at running like this. It's like, I can make fun of running all that I want. We can make fun of running all we want. But as soon as somebody outside the sport starts making fun of us, then then we got problems. Then oh, we yeah. got problems. <laughs> it's like your little brother. Like, exactly. You make fun of your little brother all you want, but then all of a sudden, as soon as somebody else starts making fun of you, you're bullying your little brother, then you got a problem. Well, why, don't we, why don't we challenge part of my take to a decathlon? Yeah, we'll see how that works out for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But good stuff. I got a kick out of that listening to it. And I was just like, this is exactly, you know, this is exactly the same stuff that we just did. But um, so, guys, we we had a uh, probably, you know, one of our more different but m more entertaining interviews that I think we've ever done. We had Mac McLean on, who is a U.S. champion speed golfer. And, you know, what we're trying to do with this podcast is we're trying to make running fun. And we're trying to look at running from different perspectives. And we're trying to look at ways people are making this sport more fun. And I think speed golf is, is one of those ways. And so for people that don't know speed golf, we talk about it in the interview. But it's a combination of endurance running and golf. And you pretty much just got to play around of golf as fast as you possibly can. Um, but, you know, we I, I really enjoyed talking to Mac. Yeah, he was like an incredibly interesting dude, just like so unique and different. And his his insight onto a sport that, you know, obviously none of us really know anything about. But the way he ties it back to the distance running world and, you know, really relates to everything we're trying to do in this podcast. It was fun talking to him. It was like one of those things where I kind of didn't want the interview to stop because I just felt like I was learning so much and I, I felt like I was just having like a really cool conversation with a really interesting dude. The guy uh, the guy made me want to take running more seriously more than any of the serious runners, you know, uh, the world class and collegiate champs that we've had on this podcast. And when we talk to some of the 5K guys and the milers, it's like, oh man, that's cool, but you know, I'm, I'm long past that pipe dream. When you talk to Matt, he's like, 
Dude, I gotta get in shape right now. There's a a new sport calling my name. All right, well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our interview with Max McClain. got a really special interview for you here today we are here with your 2017 u.s speed golf champion mac mclean mac welcome to peak too early oh thanks for having me on the show glad to be here glad to talk about speed golf you know we're, we're excited to have you on so let's start with this uh in your words can you explain exactly what speed golf is to our listeners uh the most simplest form we're just playing golf as fast as possible um, while while combining your golf score, so we we measure the time in minutes, and we add that to the golf score. So each minute is worth one stroke in golf. You know, so so for me, I usually shoot, you know, in competition between 80 and 85 in my golf score, and I'm usually between 40 and 45 minutes in my running score. Yes. So that would be like 120 to 130 for my overall speed golf score. That's crazy. And so after everybody's listening to this, you guys got to go and YouTube speed golf because it is wild to watch because you, 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 you put put the ball on the tee, you tee off, and then it's an all-out sprint to your ball. You carry how many clubs in your hand? Uh, I do four. Some of the other guys do five or six. Uh, okay. Usually six clubs. It's up to you. And um, you play 18 holes as fast as you can. No stopping. It's wild. We do it. <laughs> and so you sprint up to your ball, you get your next club, and you hit it, and you just play the hole out as fast as you can. Um, you know, as somebody that you know, I'm I'm a runner and you know a very bad golfer, but I do enjoy <laughs> golf. I, I I golf quite a bit. Just curious, what what are the clubs that you would carry with you? What are the four clubs, and and why those four clubs? So through trial and error, I, I've tried a few combinations. When I first started, I had five clubs. I had a driver, um, then something like a you know six iron, nine iron sand wedge, putter. Uh, most of the guys have something similar to that. I have switched to a leaner, quicker setup. Um, I tee off with a hybrid. That's my longest club. Love it. And I have an eight iron, a 52 degree wedge, and a putter. That's what I've, that's been my, uh, my setup lately. So I know you need like, obviously a, a real healthy combination of both, but what is more important to speed golf being good at golf or good at running like which is the which is the most imperative skill hands down the golf okay or i I like to say it's about two-thirds golf one-third running john because it's uh if you're not good at golf you're gonna it's gonna take you longer yeah (laughs) you're gonna it's gonna really gonna add some time and uh you know most of the the best guys in the world i'm I'm kind of an outlier The, the other guys are all much better golfers than me and uh, my my strength is that I'm really consistent on the golf side. Uh, I don't I don't ever shoot even par or you know I don't I don't shoot low 70s in these tournaments. Some of the other guys do, but I can always play quick and I can you know I can always contain my score. I'm almost every tournament I've ever played I've been between 80 and 85, and it, when I play quick that keeps me in contention for the win. Gotcha. Matt, so go ahead. How how the hell do you practice for this? Like I'm picturing you, you know, at the local course in your Green Meadows or something on a busy Saturday, 
where you have to, you know, wait in line. There's some guy making sure your pace is, you know, consistent. And I'm picturing you just like running by everybody and just like pissing everybody off. How, how did you practice getting good at this? Okay, now that's that's the funny part. Now, now, so first, I mean, you know, I'll start with most of the other guys who play the sport and are good at it. They, you know, they usually they had a golfing background, and they, you know, then they started running for exercise or the triathlons, or their wife was mad at them for being <laughs> five hours for a golf outing. So they decided they they'd be the first one off the tee. They'd get their workout in. They'd play quick, and most of, that's what most of the guys do. Um, they uh, they get in nine holes or eighteen holes before work. You know they'll be at work by eight in the morning. They've already gotten in five miles and around a round of golf. <laughs> Jeez, sounds like a day to me. Wow, <laughs> it's pretty cool, right? Now I'm yeah. a huge outlier here because I don't practice speed golf, and I don't. Uh, I'm not. The main reason is I'm not a morning person. Um, I'm also <laughs> young. I don't have a country club membership. I have to pay each time I want to play golf. <laughs> you know, it'd be best. This, ideally, you'd be like, you know, you'd have a country club membership and you just go, you know, go there any morning you want, get in your round. But for me, I really don't. I really don't enjoy playing speed golf by myself. Maybe I would if I was a, a country club guy, you know. And I maybe when I'm older, I'll do it for fun. But for now, my training is I just run. I get in good shape. I rarely play golf, but I have a golfing background as a kid, and I go out there when I compete. I just don't think about it, and I just, I just aim for the pen, just hit the ball, and just, just play. And that's kept me consistent. <laughs> it's like Brooks Kepka. You're Brooks Kepka of the speed golf world. No practicing, just, just go out there for the big tournaments. That's right. <laughs> um, so, but like when you, if you did want to practice your speed golf, and you were to go to like a country club or uh, you know a public course, how do you? how do you play speed golf? I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, that you're, you're, you know, it's lined up with foursomes. You got to wait at the tee. You know, how, how would you go about practicing something like that? I think the easiest way to practice it is just take it hole by hole or shot by shot. You know, you don't have to work on the running strength at the same time. Um, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to race around the golf course to get practice in. You can just play, you can just, even just playing normal golf, you can just you know, walk up to the ball and hit it. You know, you don't, you just don't take any time. That's the main thing. Or, you know, you could just jog up to the ball and hit it. You know, if there's other people on the course, you can, uh, you know, you can play one or two holes quick and then stop. You know, you could repeat the same hole. That's what some of the guys do to practice. So yeah, there's, there's certainly ways to get into it. I would I'd definitely suggest for anybody wanting to try it. They don't, you don't, there's no reason you need to sprint nine holes. You could just go <laughs> try it for a couple holes or, you know, wait till it's, you know, you can do it, you can do it at night too. If I ever go practice, I usually do it at night when the course is pretty empty and usually I can get a few holes in and uh, so, just get that rhythm of running up to the ball and hitting it. That's kind of what you got to work on. Funny enough, tomorrow morning, I'm playing 18 with my, uh, my former college track coach. So I'm going to talk him into uh, playing a couple speed, speed golf rounds. Love it. <laughs> speed golf holes. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Usually people are surprised at how well they play. Um, I think the first time I tried it, um, it was kind of, I had some pretty bad shots in there. I just kind of out of the blue, you just want to kind of mentally prepare yourself, like, you know, to, to set up and hit it, you know, think, you know, be confident, like I can do this. You know, it's like a, I think of it as like, uh, you know, if someone playing soccer or basketball, they can run up and take their shot, right? Why can't you do it in golf? You know, as long as, you know, you can, you can still take a few seconds to set up to your ball. It's not like, you're not like, you're not like happy Gilmoreing. <laughs> there's yeah. nothing worse than a slow player though so I'm, yeah. I'm all for the speed golf yeah it's it's actually it's actually real fun and uh it's a great way to 
just to, to practice, even if you're not running, just to play quickly, you know, it's great. You, you forget about a you forget about a bad shot really quick when you just walk up there and hit it. So yeah, I love I love that mentality. Just just walk up and hit it because sometimes I feel like you know you know you overthink your shots in golf, especially as amateur golfers. We all get pissed off. You know, you slam your club and you're thinking about the next one. I think I'd be better at speed golf. I think this would take like ten strokes off my 18. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, uh, mentally, it's it's helped my regular golf game. I just don't I don't care as much about the water hazard or you know wind direction or whatever whatever troubles there i don't see it as much anymore after playing speed golf and, I, and it's helped me simplify my swing too so i'm more, I'm more consistent in regular golf as well yeah i don't care about water hazards or rough either because i just drop another one and hit it. <laughs> the same to me so mac i loved when you were talking earlier a couple questions ago about how a lot of people get into speed golf because their wives are getting mad at them for being golf at long or two too long at the uh golf course and i just think like my wife for some reason every time i go golfing she knows that it takes forever but like two hours in she'll call me and she's like are you guys almost done like <laughs> you, you know you know that every time i go out there it's a four or five hour deal ordeal she like just can never like comprehend like why would you ever spend that much time doing that and i'm like t- to that same point like when you go out for like an 18 19 mile long run you're out there forever and she just can't get it through her head. Like, why were you gone so long? I was, I was about to call the police. It's like, you know. So that, that's like a great compromise of just like getting it all done at once, getting your long run in, getting your, uh, getting your golf in all at once, and then you're like the perfect husband. You're just like a A plus husband. It's unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great compromise. <laughs> um, we, we looked you up. We looked up some of your times, and you're a pretty accomplished runner. I mean, uh, I, I just correct me if I'm wrong. You got a 14.08 5K. You got a 3.39 a 4.02 mile. So, um, and you ran for Colorado Mines, correct? That is correct. Yes. D2 powerhouse. So all three of us are a uh, former D2 runner. So uh, you know, okay. uh, we can certainly respect that as a as a as a powerhouse in D2. Yeah, yeah. I got. Uh, I was lucky enough to to find a decent school to go to coming out of college. Um, and uh, I, I um, made a huge improvement there under Art Seamers and the rest of the team there. And um, it, it worked out pretty well. And um, a couple years into college, I kind of plateaued a bit. And uh, I wouldn't say I, was, I didn't finish out my career super well my junior, senior year, or I didn't, didn't really improve any. Um, but then I, then I kept training after college with the American Distance Project in Colorado Springs under Scott Simmons, and that's when I ran a 339. Um, but run, running is still a huge part of my life. I do, I still, uh, I still run a lot today, and I'm still, still pretty fast. I don't really race very much, but you know, I could certainly still break 410 in a mile right now. Nice. All right, not bad. I definitely can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, when you picked Colorado Mines, did you choose D2? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, sort of. Uh, I could have walked on. I had some offers to walk on to some some big D one programs, but uh, I really wanted to go to school in Colorado. I loved Colorado. Loved the altitude, and uh, Mines was starting to put together some solid teams. And uh, you know, I chose it for the academics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't choose it because really- of the awesome awesome logo that D two has. That I chose D two. I chose D two. Um. <laughs> 
I mean, that's why I chose it. That's not. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I chose it for the. I chose D two for the academics in my case. I, I love say. it. Mac, but yeah, you know, it's very, very legit. At the, you know, certainly at the, you know, certainly at the top. You know, guys are very fast. So. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why won't schools like uh, Colorado Mines and Adams State just do all of D two a favor and just go D one? Because it, it really gets annoying when you guys just like slaughter us every single year at nationals. <laughs> well, that's that's funny. That wasn't the case when I when I first went to mine. Yeah. Like, uh, let's see, I redshirted for a year, but my my second year there, I think we were ninth in D two in cross country. So we we've, we've certainly improved. Oh yeah, a lot. Oh, and then um, since my sophomore year, we've been top five every year, and uh, the program's just gotten very solid. It's just it's really built on the culture. We're not, we don't get any crazy recruits. I, uh, I keep in touch with the team fairly well. I don't think we're getting any insane recruits. I think uh, the success there is mostly from a culture of guys just really, uh, really liking distance running and just yeah. really into it, putting the miles in and just uh, slowly, slowly getting better. And I, I, I would say that's been uh, the reason mines has, has risen to the top and we were still, we're not at the level that, you know, teams like Adams have been at in the past, but, you know, everyone at Mines is very happy with where, where we've gotten that program today. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you're an NBA fan, but D2 is like the NBA Eastern and Western Conference. Like, east of the Mississippi, you know, we think we're pretty good, and then we have to, like, against <laughs> the guys west of the Mississippi. It's like a whole new, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Mines, we had to get, we were getting slaughtered by Adams and Western State every year. Yeah. Conference, I mean, it wasn't even close, so we were... That's kind of, I guess, that made us better. So hopefully, hopefully that's making the East Coast better, right? We'll see. We were, we were making <laughs> a conference and getting slaughtered at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate. I mean, imagine getting slaughtered every meet you go to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that was like our experience. It was like, man, we better, we better start running more. We're, we, you know, we'd go to like CU's first meet, or um, you know, and then we'd have to compete against Adams and Western. So we, we were, yeah, we would get slaughtered every meet. So I guess the that was uh, I can relate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that I mean, you, you talked a lot about the culture, and I think that's one of the really cool things about D2 is that if you have a really strong culture and you have like a just a mindset of like working hard and a group of people that are like you know going after something, you can you can kind of make a really good team. You can kind of create a winning culture. I don't know. I mean, you yeah. can do that to a certain extent at D1, but you need to have the talent. Um, for me, that was always one of the really cool things about D2, you know? Yeah, that, I, I totally agree. I think uh, most people can put the work in D2 and definitely at least raise the level of their program. Yeah, and, and D1, it's a little harder because there are some, you get most of the best talent in the world runs D1. So it makes it a little more challenging. But I think the teams that put in, that really build that culture and really put in a good, solid volume of training, I think they tend to to definitely improve and be, you know, may, maybe not be national title contenders, but, you know, I think that most of those teams will end up making nationals regularly if they really build the culture right. That's kind For of my sure. Definitely. <laughs> so were you, were you playing 18, like, with your teammates, like, after practice in school or after the long run? Did you, you know, have the energy to get out there? I played very little golf in college. Um, I'm not a morning person. I do most of my training at night. <laughs> Probably was, that was part of it. Um, you know, my first few years of college, I didn't play like almost no golf at all. And I, I started playing again in the summer occasionally, 
and then I kind of realized like, hey, I can still I can still play golf. <laughs> I played a lot as a kid, and I kind of retained some of that talent. And uh, yeah, I, I was kind of when I first started playing again, I was like, oh, this is gonna be rough. I'm gonna be terrible, and it, it really wasn't that bad. And uh, I kind of realized I could, you know, I could still play play only a few times a year and still be respectable at golf. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh so opposite. I feel like you know we'll joke around like the first time out in the season, it's like man, this isn't so bad. And then when I go that second time and I add twenty strokes to it, it's like what the hell happened? So pretty jealous. Maybe I should have started younger. I got to get mad at my dad or something. Yeah, <laughs> golf as a kid, and I and um, I mean I'd practiced all day, and uh, and I, you know, when I got I I kept playing into into high school. Um, I played golf was my main sport when I went into college or uh, sorry when I went into high school so like freshman year of high school I was mostly a golfer even sophomore year but I, I kind of was plateauing a little bit in golf and uh, that's where I kind of said okay with running you know the sky's the limit I can you know up my mileage to you know at the time I was probably running you know 25 miles a week my freshman year and I was like wait a second you know I can I can get way 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 better at running but with golf I don't know about that. Like, yeah. I'm where I'm, where I'm going with golf, and it, it helped that my my team in high school is a little more competitive at running. So you know, I started upping my my volume, you know, and that that kind of led to my eventual success. I think in college, and I was running 100 miles a week, you know, when I went into college. The summer I went into college, and I think that that set up my career in in college really well. Yeah. It's funny you say that because we talk a lot about. So we call it the on this podcast, we call it the sports spectrum, right? On one end, you have your endurance, you know, you know, grit, hard work, sports, and then on the other end, you have your skill sports, sports like golf, where it's, you know, you don't need as, it's not as much effort, it's more skill based. And it's funny the d- two different mindsets, where running to get better, it's you know, grit your teeth, work harder, grind. Golf, it's like you almost have to like step back. You know, you have to take a psychological, you know, approach to it, a mental approach to it, and just kind of like relax and, and, and improve the skills. And it sounds like you kind of gravitated more towards that, that, you know, grit your teeth, grind it out type of sport. That's, that's totally true. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe as a kid, I was focusing on the wrong things at golf. I think my mentality was wrong. Um, I don't think I was great at controlling my emotions on the golf course, maybe, um, in that sense. And uh, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, but all that hard work I put in on the golf course, I took that into running and started running twice a day. And then, um, and I really wasn't that, I wasn't very, I was okay at running like as a freshman, sophomore, but you know, I was maybe running an 18 minute 5k in cross country, uh, maybe a little under on a fast course my sophomore year, but it wasn't until I started putting in the big volume of training into running that I started to, to improve even to a you know, high level in high school. And uh, I think that I, but I built that, that, uh, all that hard work playing golf as a kid though. So, yeah. Yeah. So Mac, like when I think about the sport of running, right? Like I love, I love running and it it has done so much for me and it's a big part of my life. But when you really break it down, like running is not fun. Like there's not a whole lot fun (laughs) about running. And when I, when I think about golf, it's like a, you know, it's my opportunity to get away from the world. It's relaxing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's out in the sun, drinking a couple beers, good time. So do you ever think like, why you got to go and ruin that with play, like adding like something <laughs> yeah. so not fun, like running 
into golf. Like you're just like taking away all the stripping away all the fun parts of golf. You took a perfectly and, good sport and destroyed. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, now it's like competitive and it hurts and just like like what's going on with that? <laughs> but you feel so good afterwards. <laughs> no, um, I think for me, well, if you get you can get to a certain point in running where it becomes it does become fairly relaxing. Yeah. And um, it, it takes a while to get there. And I think it may take a very long time to get there and you have to have the right body type. Uh, but for me, you know, going out and running, you know, seven minute miles is, is very therapeutic for me. It's like, you know, it's like, I think, you know, I liken it to most people going out for a relaxing walk. So for me, I can just jog to my ball at a relatively quick pace and it's, it's very relaxing. Uh, but I, I totally agree. It is speed. That's kind of one reason I don't practice, you know, competitive speed golf by myself. Like I don't, it don't, it's not relaxing to sprint to your ball and also try to, you know, like precision golf. <laughs> like in a tournament, I have to kind of mentally prepare for a speed golf tournament because you're combining, you're combining that, that raw grinding nature of running with, you know, a pure precision sport in golf. So you have to really, you know, I kind of try to kind of switch back the whole time I'm playing a competitive round of speed golf when I'm, when I'm hitting the ball, you know, I'm a golfer and then I go into my running flow, you know, to get to my ball. I try not to think about the golf. I, that, at that point I'm just running. And then when I get up to my ball, I'm back to being a golfer and I'm not running anymore. So you kind of like mentally, it's almost like <laughs> flip-flopping back and forth the whole time. Um, you know, once you, once you're up to your ball, you kind of forget, you know, your heart rate's high. You know, a lot of people are like, how am I going to hit a golf shot with a high heart rate? Well, surprise, it's like, how, how does a basketball player knock down a jump shot with a high heart rate? You know, it's not, not yeah. really, you mentally, you, gotta, you just got to ignore, ignore that and just hit the shot. So like, um, I think it's something you can do as long, I mean, it's not like you're not rushed. Like I was saying earlier, you're not like happy Gilmore out there playing golf. Like he <laughs> said, I run very fast to my ball, but when I get up to my ball, I do take a second or two to, to you know set up and then hit the shot yeah well that ability to regulate your heart rate i i, I got to imagine you know you get up to the ball and you kind of take a couple deep breaths and kind of relax a little bit um i got to imagine you know because you're so good at speed ball speed golf um you got to be you know pretty good at regulating your heart rate when you do get up to the ball not that it well, slows down significantly it's more like you probably have a have an ability to relax over the ball now that is a concern for guys who don't have a running background but for me like and my heart rate drops like a rock so i mean <laughs> um yeah. i you know i don't even notice that my heart rate's high when i get up to the ball like it's not even an issue for me um so like i, I really don't have to worry about the only part i need to worry about is like actually uh setting up at the target i've noticed if i get in too much of a hurry I won't line up my shot right. If you don't line up your shot right, you're pretty screwed. So, <laughs> um, but for some of the other guys, they do talk about how, controlling their heart rate, and they do have to take a few deep breaths. But being that's my huge advantage in speed golf is from having um, you know, an elite endurance background. It's like it is comfortable for me, and I don't have that. Uh, I don't have to worry about that at all. Mm -hmm. And that I think that allows me to play extremely consistent golf. I think if you averaged all our golf scores and speed golf tournaments, I've got to be the most consistent by far. I'm always like right in that, like I was saying, I'm almost always right in that 80 to 85 range on almost every tournament. And I so, think that's what's allowed me to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, just like to your, your ability to, 
you know, you have that distance background, you use it. And like you said, as a runner, you can kind of control your heart rate a little bit better. It drops pretty quick. But how hard are you running? Like if you drive, is it a 5K pace to your ball? Is it tempo pace? Is it faster than that? Is it more like a mile or 800 pace? Like how hard is it? You know, how much exertion are you putting in to get into your ball? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, great question, Trent. Thanks, <laughs> good Ken. job, Ken. That was a good one. <laughs> I would compare it to the running equivalent of doing like tempo intervals, uh-huh. uh, but the intervals are also short. It's like doing you know the long, what's the longest you're gonna run? I mean, I'm teeing off with a hybrid. I mean, I, if I crank a hybrid, I'm hitting it maybe 250 yards. So I'm only running about 250 yeah, yards. Yeah. Now all, golf courses are hilly, so that definitely takes into account. But it's not like I'm never out of breath in a, in a speed golf tournament. If I ran that hard, where where it was really like a really hard interval session, I wouldn't be able to hit the golf shots as well. So like I'm not I'm not running that hard. Um, it's it's like a relaxed like a relaxed fart lick session maybe is what I'd call it. Cool. Yeah. You're uh. You're definitely pissing off a lot of uh, like non-running speed golfers. <laughs> you're probably running faster than them. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not even running hard. And you're, you know, your fartlek pace, your your relaxed fartlek, your tempo, whatever it is, is way faster than they can do it. Yeah, I, I'd imagine I need to play my next one with the GPS watch on. But I, I imagine I'm running anywhere from six-minute mile pace at the slowest down to like sometimes under five-minute mile pace when it's right. um, something like that. Um, you know, it is five miles long. So, I mean, it becomes a lot, it really becomes a lot of short sprints is really what it is. Yeah. So I'm looking behind you now, and I don't know how I'm just noticing this, but you have like a million NCAA <laughs> trophies sitting behind you. And I don't know, this is probably all Americans and all kinds of accolades. So what is, you you know, in 2017, you won the uh, USA Speed Golf Championship. How does that compare to your best running accolade which one is more important to you and you know how do they how do they compare to each other oh man that, that's a tough question um hey mine was good yours is just <laughs> <laughs> very very different i mean you know when you're running on a team in college or high school you know you have you have that whole support of the team um you know your parents your friends your school you know, it means a lot. It's you have all that there, and um, you know, I think a lot of runners, you probably ask them what's their, you know, greatest moment, and like, you know, for a lot of people, it's probably like high school race, winning a high school race, or winning a high school state championship. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe for some of the best college runners, it's maybe the few who got to experience winning a college race. You know, that's a big deal. Um, you know, with speed golf, it's a much, it's a small community, and like, honestly, like when I go to these tournaments. It's not it's not about winning. It's about, you know, we're we're a group of friends. You know, I'm not really there to beat my friends. I'm gonna play as best I can. I wanna win, but like, you know, I don't you know, in, in when you're running a race, like you wanna beat everybody, right? Like you wanna be the best. In speed golf, like I want everybody to do well. <laughs> I'm not like <laughs> I'm not extremely competitive because you're you're out there by yourself. You know, you're not you're not head to head with anybody like in a race. So it's like it's just such a different feeling. Um and when I don't win a speed golf tournament, I still feel good after it because everybody there is just real positive. We're all we're all buddies. We're all you know we all have a beer together after the after the event. You know it's it's fun. Um, it's just it's very different. There's almost like there's more significance when you're on a team and like you have your coach and everybody's yelling at you. Yeah. You it's <laughs> a lot of significance to win. Where um with speed golf it's um 
with the way it's set up right now, it's more of a it's more of like a friendly event. So it's it's just very different. Um, you know, now if speed golf was like maybe if it becomes you know a big sport someday, maybe I can compare the two. But right now, I don't feel like it's even a fair comparison. Hmm. Um, well, you know, do not, you think... It's not like you're running down the fairway with a thousand people cheering for you. So yeah. <laughs> very, very different. Yeah. Do you think there's potential for speed golf to get traction like that and become a, a more of a mainstream sport? Oh, that's a you know, that's the, the million dollar question for us. Um, now that you know, like you, you brought me on this show because I play, and you guys thought it was interesting. And like I, when people <laughs> me about speed golf, everybody always wants to ask me about speed golf, and like um, there's a lot of interests out there in it. But, you know, breaking into an established sports market is, is almost near impossible. And, uh, you know, unless the PGA wants to work with us, I don't, I don't see much potential. Yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, we're trying to do a better job of filming events and uh, having some head-to-head competitions. Um, we, I like sprint golf where you each play one hole as fast as you can, and then you get rest between, and then you play the next hole as fast as you can. You can do that in like a foursome or something. I really like that format. Hmm. I think that may have a little potential. I think the average, the average person I, I, I tell speed golf about, they go, I want to see a tournament. You know, I want to see this because it, it sounds interesting. You know, they're like, real golf is boring. <laughs> so I do think there's potential, but somehow getting to that potential, I think is going to be very difficult. Yeah. I hope we make it there, but, you know, I do, I do think there's potential there. Putting on my marketing cap, I, I honestly, I think your your uh, your ability to find a niche market here isn't necessarily going to come from the golfing community. I think it's going to come from the running community. Um, I mean, you look at, I mean, it, it's it's a they're having small success with uh, things like the beer mile and like these, right. you know, fun, you know, different types of, uh, you know, ways to make running different. I think that's where speed golf's uh, success could come from is is pushing more on the running community rather than the golf community. Yeah. I agree, and I've found that most runners don't play golf, though, so that's been a, a huge impediment for our growth, or if they do, they barely ever play golf, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm terrible, I, you know, I lose all my balls, you know, I can't <laughs> fall down because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to find my, my golf balls, um, so we do have a few um, hiccups there. But I, I would argue that market's bigger than you think. I mean, because all three of us here are former college runners, and we all golf. I mean, not like I said, like I jokingly said at the top of the show, not very well, but we all golf. I mean, I have a, uh, uh, you know, a tournament with my, you know, college golf, t- uh, my college uh, cross country team every year. Um, I think that there, there is a niche for it out there. Yeah, and just f- somehow finding, finding it and getting tournaments organized. We are, we are working on it. The community is small, but it's growing. You know, there's some people who are really pouring a lot, of, a lot into the sport. Um, I, I certainly hope it, it grows. I'm not, I'm not sure how to grow it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I agree, and we need, we need the, to find that niche market and get, get more runners involved. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Is well, we, well, we like it. We're gonna pay attention to it kind of going forward. We think it's interesting. I'm gonna try it out. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Championship coming up at the end of September in Houston. That's our next big event. Oh, right. How do we, how do we watch that? I'll be competing there. Um, now I don't think we have anybody able to stream it, um, but maybe you know we have done a video in the past uh, afterwards. Okay. Fortunately, but you know, I'll, I'll let you, you know. Fly to Houston. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's how you watch it. <laughs> you guys, 
compete. There's there's spots available to compete for amateurs. So. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how tomorrow morning goes. I'll tell you, uh, if, if tomorrow goes well, then maybe I'll fly out there. But so it's a pretty fun event. Everybody there is super friendly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. It's been great talking to you. It's been great getting to know you. But we end every interview with a little bit of a game. We call it Down the Home Stretch. Mike, do you want to kick off Down the Home Stretch? Yeah, so we uh, we put 90 seconds on the clock, and we ask you rapid-fire questions based on a certain category. Your category, just super simple golf. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna start you off, and then after, after I go, the, the timer starts, and you're just going to get peppered with rapid-fire. So my first question is, what is your favorite club in your bag? Eight iron. Mizuno, eight iron. My question is, is golf still fun when you're not drinking beer? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Better movie, Happy Gilmore or Caddyshack? Oh, man. Uh, oh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Ooh, wow. Controversial answer there. Uh, par three or par five? Par fives are the greatest. I hate course. Okay. <laughs> He's a distance uh, runner. What do you think he's going to say? <laughs> Mac, how do I fix my slice? <laughs> oh, start hitting the hook. <laughs> Tiger or Phil? I was always a Phil fan. Ooh, okay. all right. The lefty. Trent brought me to my point. Slice or hook? I, I hit a hook. Okay. Is mini golf a good date? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Mini golf is the best. <laughs> Post-race beer or 19th hole beer? Uh, 19th hole beer. Okay. Good answer. Mac, do you, do you ever putt from the rough? <laughs> <laughs> no. I can't even keep it straight. Basically, more. Um, do you prefer drunk, stoned, or cigars on the golf course? Oh, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, last question. <laughs> Would you rather play 18 holes with your favorite golfer or run 18 miles with your favorite runner? Oh, uh, well, I'd probably run 18 miles with my favorite runner, so I'm going to pick, I'm gonna have to pick uh, golf. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, Mac, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. You're a great guy. Um, we're looking forward to seeing how you do at the uh, USA Championships down in Houston this September. Um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mac for coming on. That was it was fun talking with him. But it got us thinking. You know, what are some other games or sports that could kind of you know be made into a different niche sport or be made more fun by speeding up? Does anybody anybody got any ideas? Anybody want to kick this one off? Yeah, right off the bat, I'm thinking um, like the the spelling bee world championships. <laughs> if we just did like rapid fire, like you had to run up to the podium and just like. Speak as fast as you can, and, and the time it took you to actually spell the word counted towards your score for the spelling bee. I think that could be an electric uh, addition to the sport. I love it. I love it. Uh, first thing that came in my head was was dodgeball. 
you're, you're playing dodgeball, and too many times the best players are all just hanging near the back. There needs ah, to be like point. instant shot clocks on those things. If you don't get anybody out like quick enough, you got to get pulled. I want to see like people like ten feet apart from each other, just with balls humming by their face. So I was thinking along the lines of like bar games. What if you did it with like darts or pool? <laughs> so you Kill throw somebody. your darts and you got to run over there, grab your darts, get back to the line. Like you know, you're towing the three point line and you got to fire them again. I think that'd be fun. Dude, what that you... seems like a great way to take somebody's eye out. <laughs> yeah. What What about like like bowling? So you had like ten like bowling balls set up in front of their lanes, and they had to go up and just sprint up and do the entire ten frames just in one like quick sweep. You pick it up, you throw, you go to the next lane, and just ten ten lanes, ten frames right in a row, and whatever your score is, that's it. That's a good one. What if we took the same mindset of like you know moving the sport faster, and we brought it to the fifteen hundred? <laughs> just the men's 1500 make it same mindset that they have in speed golf to the men's 1500 so they run as fast as they can yeah i love it i, I love it to, i was prepping that joke i was like you know i was setting up that joke for a while so trent this actually reminds me of like one of our favorite games of all time and that mm. is polish ping pong you, oh. you, you're the one who introduced me to that game so why don't you explain a little bit what <laughs> what polish ping pong is so my friends and i in, in high school used to play i have no idea why it's called polish <laughs> ping pong. like as a polish person i take a lot of pride in in it being called this but i have no idea where the, the origin comes What's that? We got three Polacks on the podcast. That's right. Hey, shout out to the Polish Polacks. Yeah, let's go. But basically, you have at least three people, and you have to hit the ping pong ball to the other side, and somebody returns it. And after you hit the ball, you run around to the table, and you kind of get in line on the other side. And so you have to hit from each side every time you hit the ball. So eventually, once you get going, you have people just circling the table, running as fast <laughs> as they can, trying to hit the ball, get to the other side. Uh, and then there's an element of sting pong at the end, of course, where if you you know you mess up a few times, you're gonna get a few ping pong welts uh, across the across your stomach there. But it's a uh, it's certainly athletic, like a uh, marvel. The elite Polish ping pong players, the hand eye coordination that goes into it. Uh, and the speed that's required to get around the table. And a lot of times in closed quarters, we're talking a lot of basements here, uh, a lot of couches sticking out, a lot of walls that get run into, but it's a classic. Yeah, I, like you you get to the point where you're having to hit ping pong shots, like legitimate ping pong shots, running pretty much at full speed. And I have vivid memories, Trent, of like when we were in college, you know, on maybe like winter break or something in my basement at like 1.30 in the morning, just playing Polish ping pong. My dad having to come down at like two in the morning, just no, seeing a bunch of dudes than that. It shirtless. Was it was sweat, later than that. Sweating, <laughs> dripping in sweat, just covered in, in red ping pong welts. My dad's just like, guys, I think it's time to go to bed. <laughs> Trent, I think that was like the first time you and I like ever really hung out. It was after I think it was the 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 2016 divisional game. Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs. That's and right. my, you know, we were up to like to like three thirty in the morning, four yeah, o'clock was... in the morning. <laughs> and, and Big Steve had to come down and he was just like, guys, really? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, usually I'd come over to watch the Patriots game and then I'd kinda head home, but uh, I don't know what the occasion was that kept us up, you know, that late and the reason. Oh, I we were stayed, celebrating but... a, a playoff sure. one. 
big win. I mean, there's been a lot of Patriots uh, wins to celebrate, so I don't know why that one stuck out differently. But uh, my favorite part about that was, so when you lose, right, you stand on one side, like of the long side of the ping pong table, you have your shirt off, you get a ping pong paddle to protect your private parts, and you can put your hand over your face, that sort of thing. And, and everybody tries to hit the ping pong ball as hard as they can at you. By the time we were done playing, we were standing like four feet across from each other. It was across the table, the short way instead of the long way. And everybody was going all at once. And everybody got to go until they like, hit you or something <laughs> the like firing that. Squad, the firing squad. Yeah, it, it really like just turned into implementing pain on. So there's another, you know, uh, priceless part about the game. It's it's speed, it's hand-eye coordination, and it's just it's physical toughness. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think we that needs to be like the next big sport in the running world we need to like make that the marquee event because i think can you imagine just like a, a polish ping pong tournament it would be awesome to watch well if there's any crew that's <laughs> crazy <laughs> enough to do this it's us so uh, all right add, add that to our list of ideas that we've had that we'll probably never follow through <laughs> oh okay enough we'll put, the, we'll put that right next to uh the treadmill yeah, the more I think about the, the treadmill wars, it's like, the the I was just like, that is the dumbest idea in the world. I definitely don't want to do that. Yeah, I still want to do it at some point, but... <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay, enough enough ping pong talk. Um, in the, let's get back to the running world. And, um, you know, not a ton to go over after USA's, but there was one story from the uh, Sir Walter Myler this weekend down in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is just an awesome, you know, mile festival. You have a bunch of different heats all the way up to elite heats of the mile. And Corey McGee won with a 427 mile, which is, you know, a, a great time. You know, she's a great runner. So the reason we wanted to talk about it is because uh, Corey McGee got bounced, I believe, in the first round of the 1500 meters at USA's. And it was a pretty controversial um you know, pretty controversial reason she got disqualified. And we ju we're just realizing now that we never really talked about it because it kind of happened on one of the earlier days and we just kind of forgot about it. Um, but what happened was she she was kind of playing it cool. She was sitting in the back and she got boxed in. And coming into the home stretch, she realized that she wasn't going to be in position to be one of the top three people in her heat. And it was an extremely slow heat. So she wasn't going to get there on time. She needed to be one of the top three people. And she passed on the inside and she clipped. Oh man, I forgot. I forget her name. I have to look this up. Um, but she clipped the, the runner in third place passing on the inside. Um, and, you know, really significantly kind of slowed her down coming down the home stretch. Turns out, you know, after the fact, she gets disqualified. Um, what do you guys think about this? And I'm going to look up who that runner was. Yeah, I, I mean, when I watched it back, I think it was the right call. I mean, the I, I, she was in a weird situation where she kind of had to make a move, and it was probably her only move. Um, sometimes you see passes on the inside like that where you can get away with it if you can, like, be smooth about it. But the problem is the clip – the, the the runner she was passing kind of like got bounced and like threw her hands up and just the 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 drama that unplayed as the pass happened you couldn't really let it go like I remember I made a big deal of blank and chips race where he made a very similar pass but yeah. it, it ended up being a little bit smoother and there wasn't as much contact so I think he was able to get away with it um, where this pass there was just too much going on to and I think because of the name there like you just can't 
everybody knows who Corey McGee is, so it was like you you didn't miss that moment. Everybody saw that. So if she got away with it, it's like that clip's going to be seen. And I think it was the right call. Yeah, I don't have a major issue with the call. I just think these types of things like happen all the time and don't get called. It's just that it came down the home stretch. Like how many times do you see, you know, the bows being thrown and, and the tough inside passes when everybody's packed up uh, at the beginning of the race? So I think it's it's classic, like, you know, the NFL uh, making a, a pass interference call in the last, uh, you know, calling it differently in the last 30 seconds or calling it differently in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure that gets called all the time. So uh, I don't love the what feels like inconsistent, but I, yeah, I don't have a. I have a major issue with it. And then again, I haven't actually seen a replay of it. <laughs> this is based on <laughs> pictures and descriptions. Uh, it's so hard to freaking see this stuff, but we won't go down that conversation again. So that so so the 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 woman who uh, who Corey McGee um, you know kind of clipped as she was going going down the ham uh, the home stretch was uh, her name was Sharon Osika, correct, Trent? Uh, Shannon. Shannon. Shannon sorry, Shannon Osika. I'm probably saying that wrong, but yeah. And so Shannon ended up going to the you know going mo- moving on to the next round while um, while Corey McGee you know got disqualified. Um, I'm all for chipping you know kind of you know kind of throwing bows and things getting physical out there on the track um so like you know usually you know nine times out of ten i'm on Corey mcgee's side in this situation she definitely she definitely slowed the progress of uh of shannon down the home stretch first off that's my first point my second point is she did this to herself because there's she had no business you know, not being in the top three, she's one of the best, one of the best 1500 meter, one of the best milers in the world. She had no business kind of, you know, being in that situation, but she ran, she just kind of sat back in the pack. She ran slow. She let herself get boxed in. If she was more aggressive at any point in this race before the final home stretch, she would have not been in that position. So when she got disqualified, I didn't feel bad for her for her at all. She did that to herself. She could have taken a little bit more initiative at any point in the race, gotten kind of out of the first lane, made a little bit of the move. I'm not saying she had to go all out because it is a prelim. It is a qualifying race. But at any point of the race, she could have put a little bit more effort in, ran a little harder, and not put herself in that position. So the, on- the only – we've all kind of seemed like we're on the same page with uh with that race so just to make a counterpoint to all of this as we just saw for like the sir walter myler uh Corey mcgee's time that she threw down clearly one of the top milers in america belongs at the world championship so maybe it's like come on shannon like you're you're hurting usa you're hurting usa (laughs) by by bringing this up by bringing this up and not letting our girl Corey go and, and compete you on the, in the jerk. world stage, <laughs> you Man, jerk. Well, don't you want don't you want the top the top Americans being represented at the World Championship? I'm just saying, maybe maybe uh, USATF should have, uh, you know, maybe let that one slide a little bit. That's all I'm saying. That is the hottest of the hot takes. I'm supposed <laughs> to be coming out with hot takes, you know, this episode. This is my last episode on the pod, potentially, with the mafia coming after me. Uh, and Mike comes out with that ridiculous Listen, statement. we can't – nobody wants to listen to the three of us just sit here and agree, okay? I thought that maybe somebody would have a different take to me, so I gave my actual take. And then when I heard we're all agreeing, I'm like, all right, well, this is stupid. Somebody's got to have a counter Okay, Stephen A. Okay, well, Michael A. I'm just saying. Mike, I'm just Mike, saying. From, from day one. 
this podcast has been, you know, <laughs> on the firm stance that the 1500 meter runners, the milers run way too conservative. And as like the premier event in our sport, we want them to be more aggressive. So now you just, now you just lying to the audience. You're lying to the listeners. You're just yeah, taking, okay. taking the opposite side just to take the opposite side. So, For so all I know, you could be a huge Centrowitz fan, but you just want to, you yeah. know, play this, you know, Michael A role over there. You'll never know. You'll never be know. A contrarian, just be a contrarian. Do you even like the Red Sox, Mike? <laughs> right now? No. I don't know what to believe anymore. No, I, so I, okay. Obviously that's not my take. But um, but yeah, I mean, some someone's gotta someone's gotta stir it up here. Someone's uh, gotta here, make here's the take. Thing. Here's a real take. How about this? How about instead of disqualifying Corey, because it wasn't like egregious what she did there. How about we just add somebody to the finals? Can we do that? Can we just can we say you know what you both get to go to the finals? Like because Corey, uh, you know, so you won, now, wasn't egregious enough to kick you out. What are we gonna participation send, Yeah, we're just gonna send the whole field, Trent. It's not a participation trophy <laughs> to get past the prelims in the final. It's given, like, Mikey just went on this thing saying we, uh, we need the best runners in there. I just think we shouldn't, we shouldn't penalize. I think Shannon deserved to get in. I got no problem letting Shannon get in, even though she got fourth. But I think we should consider having a little, like, uh, discretionary uh, uh, extra runner in the final heat there, right there. Like, that, let the girl that, who got a little takes, aggressive get in there. That hot I, take is worse than mine. That's not a hot take. That's a serious <laughs> opinion I, to better the sport i honestly thought that's what they were gonna do i was actually i was actually very surprised that she she was completely disqualified but i guess i guess you know for the finals they wanted kind of that even number they only wanted to like do the, do the 12 people hey i'm just Who saying the hell cares i don't but like like the, we need a the certain amount of numbers in the finals like we've all been on the track where they stuck like an extra 30 people sure. in your mile heat and you just throw a few <laughs> more bows in the beginning and then everybody's fine. It, it get a little spread itself out. So, uh, so Trent, did you, did you see the video of this? No, no. So Mike, did you see the video of this? <laughs> I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yes. Well, Trent, um, you know, if you're having video problems, you know, whether you're married to the game of running <laughs> or getting married to another runner, let 27 video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding on a lake. Choose 27 video. We love weddings and we love running too. Trent, Steve was, he was thinking about it the whole time. He's like, I can't stutter. I can't stutter. <laughs> you could tell him like slowing it down at certain parts to make sure, but it was, it was silky smooth. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Well done. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, 27 Video. I had I had some some communications with the owner of 27 Video this afternoon, and he is all in for our beer mile. So we're going to have some legitimate coverage of our Miller Lite world record attempt uh, at the end of September. I can't we're going to have better coverage than the beer mile <laughs> yeah, classic. Really that you literally yeah, can't find. It's like, like the Zapruder film, some grainy <laughs> iPhone video. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, we talked about it earlier, you know, they, you know, Trent and I, before Mike came on that, you know, maybe world beer mile classic, I know they were connected with flow track in the past and they're kind of looking for a new media outlet, new media sponsor, maybe in the future, it could be peak too early. The world beer mile classic brought to you by peak too early. And their, uh, video production can be done by 27 video. We can make yeah. this a, a win, 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 win for everybody. Yeah. So the big things on the horizon for, for, for peak too early. Um, guys, I had, I had a, um, I had a submission for what we should call our audience. Oh, and I nice. Think I think it's our best one so far. I like it. Let's hear it. 
so he he so shout out Pat McCarry. Uh, you know he's he's got some he's got some connections in the running world, and he might hook us up with some big time guests in the not too distant future. Um, but he he uh, you know he said the 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 peakers, which is which is kind of one, but um, it spiraled into a whole thought process, and uh, I came up well we kind of jointly came up with uh, the Peaky Runners. Are you familiar with the show Peaky Blinders? I'm not, but so if we called our what if we called our squad the the Peaky Runners? I'll have to familiarize myself with Peaky Blinders a little bit, but I think there's a lot of potential there. We could we could fight the mafia with the Peaky yeah. Runners. Like that's yeah. a badass group of podcast listeners. Right? Right? I think I think I think this is the new leader in the clubhouse. I, I I'm I'm feeling like the the peak too early crew is the Peaky Runners. By order of the Peaky Runners. I think I think we're only like through two rounds. Like I still think you know I want to hear more listeners throw some ideas at us, some more time to sit. But definitely, you know, the cut's been made. Uh, some of the weaker submissions are out, and yeah, Peaky's got to be got to be the leader. So I actually did think of another one myself, and this is kind of like an inside joke, so I don't know if it'll truly hit. And it had a negative connotation to start, but I think it kind of fits the bill of what we're doing. So back in college, our guys' team used to make fun of the girls' team by calling them washed up. And so that that slowly turned into calling them the Woo Crew, washed up, W W U crew. <laughs> so I thought about... <laughs> I know it started as an insult, but you know it fits the bill of the peak too early crew is the Woo Crew. <laughs> I I do kind of like that, Mike. Uh, I think I think that made it the cut as well. That, that's all right, playing all right. playing the second half of the tournament, I would say. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna have to think about this. We're gonna have to, we got a lot of good ideas out there. We're gonna we're gonna have to think about this. Um, this was a fun episode. Uh, thanks again for to, to Mac for coming on. It was great talking with him. Um, but let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got for the people? So this past week, my office put on a Office 5K. And I'd say about 11 people showed up. And uh, I took the line with some stud, some stud runners in the office. And I managed to, to pull off the win, guys. So I'm on a one race winning streak um actually it's unfortunate too because they had this dumb rule where you you guess you try to guess your time before and the winner wasn't who won the race it was who came closest to their time so i actually technically didn't even win which kind of sticks it was the dumbest rule it's like this is completely taking the fun out of you know what racing is all about but yeah so I'm, my, i guess my point is i'm back steve what was your time? Uh, not important. Not important. Steve, we're a, we're a, a win first podcast. We're a beat the competition that's in front of you. You know what I mean? So that's, you didn't uh, even that's, win. That's, an, that's important. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, didn't even, even win. <laughs> uh, uh, Trent, what do you got for the people on the Bell app? Uh, well, we had the World Beer Mile Classic this past weekend. We've been talking about our own Beer Mile uh, Championship, the Peak Too Early Beer Mile coming up. I want to tell you guys, uh, I did some good training this weekend, and I feel in good shape. Uh, Mike also got some good training, and we were at a bachelor party, and we played one of the funner drinking games I've ever played, where it was this intense obstacle course of field games. You know, there was uh, some cornhole worked in there, some Polish you know, horseshoes in there, kind of like that speed sports that we were just talking about earlier in the podcast. But 
part of it involves sprinting like a, a lap around the yard and chugging beers. Um, and so I looked at it as an opportunity to train. You know, it wasn't for fun. It was for, for training and competition and winning. Um, so I need to say I've never felt more prepared to take the Miller Lite Beer Mile world record. Feeling good, feeling good, getting in my training. Um, I guess I'm going to leave the the uh, the Peaky Runners, the Woo Crew, the Peaked Posse, whatever we're going to call them, with this. Um, we got we got a, a race in Lowell coming up in October, and I think we want to recruit some half marathoners to maybe wear some P2E gear at the at the front of the pack. So if you think you can run a a fast half marathon and you want to support. You know, peak too early. SAV running squad. Let us know. We'd we'd love to get you up there for some uh, some you know publicity. Spread the spread the good word of peak too early. Other than that, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. You know I like my girls a little bit. What's up, dude? What's going on? Have you heard anything from Mike? No, uh, no. He sent me an email saying he could come on. He said he can't use his phone, but he can come on at um, around six thirty. Uh, sorry, eight thirty. Yeah, his phone was pretty wrecked after this weekend. <laughs> what happened? I mean, it was already wrecked before. I'm sure you've seen it. Oh yeah. Honestly, nobody knows what happened. Uh, <laughs> but I assume it happened. At one point, I came outside and he was FaceTiming Cece. And then, like, two minutes later, he was sleeping on the grass. So I feel like something, like, crashing into the grass or something did it. I blame Trent for everything that happened. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> because Trent... I'm surprised me and Trent are even on talking terms right now, honestly. I unleashed on Trent... Mm-hmm. with just some some pretty aggressive yelling and it almost <laughs> ruined our friendship. I feel like it was, you don't remember it, but I felt like all the payback in the world had been given by well, the that's, end of that's Saturday true. night. That's <laughs> so then, so then that, I felt like it was my responsibility to like rally the troops. So I'm like, you know, forcing everyone to play drinking games. I must have played drinking games for like nine hours straight. <laughs> oh man. Well, I was wondering why there was a uh, very minimal communication on our text chain this week. As soon as you are able, woman, I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table. I love a
Desert Road.